Hello, and welcome to the Clearfort Community Church Podcast. Our hope with this podcast is that you would be encouraged by the weekly teaching from God's Word, not just on Sunday mornings, but every day of the week. To learn more about Clearfort Community Church, go to clearfortchurch.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Clearfort Church. Now, let's jump into this week's message. Well, good morning. How is everybody? We good? Hey, I walked out this morning. I'm like, it's cold out here. Is that the first time? I think maybe yesterday morning was uh, the same. You walk outside, it's cold. You have to remind yourself when it's like this, when you have 78, 80 degrees, this is why we live in Texas. When it's 108, you're doubting yourself, aren't you? You're like, why am I living here? Uh, It's because of the great people, right? Do we agree? Are y'all alive this morning? Y'all there? You out there? It's because of the great people that we live here, and uh, we're glad you're here. Next week, burgers and baptism. It's going to be a great time, so I hope you'll join us again over at Waterside. And uh, if you haven't been baptized, you say, hey, I've been a believer for a while, or, or maybe you don't know what that means. We'd love to explain that to you and walk, that, uh, walk it through for you. It is going public with your faith. It is saying to the world, hey, I, I'm getting married here. I'm, I'm giving my life to Christ. By the way, were some of those lyrics, were they hard for you to sing? Man, if you really think about what you're singing, you're like, wow, I'll follow you anywhere. Those are big words, aren't they? Thank you, JT, for leading us, because you're singing a lot of scripture there. Romans, Romans chapter 1, Psalm 8, a lot of different theology that you're singing, and we think we're just kind of mouthing words, but we're saying to God those things. And so as we pray, as we sing, you're going, hey, I'm worshiping, I'm agreeing with what those words are saying, or you're saying, don't know if I'm ready for that yet, right? That's okay. But as you're singing, let God do a work in you. So we, uh, we are in building a church here. So those of you that have been coming for a little while, you just need to know, hey, we're, we're building, we're not built, right? We are just getting started. We are not there yet. And we're continuing. We're going to expand the children's ministry. We want a youth ministry at some point. We want some other things. But We're going to keep it simple, guys. We want the Sunday morning experience. We want a time of worship. We want to come together as a congregation, and we want people to be in small groups where they're doing community, doing life together with other people. That's going to be the bread and butter going forward. So if you're kind of visiting with us and kind of stepping in the water, we just want you to know we're inviting you to build a church because we're building. We're a church plant, and we pray that this church will be a church that will be here for your children's children. And that's what we're putting in place. And, and years to come, I'm just telling you, years from now, you're going to look back and go, hey, God did something in me, God did something with that church, and God did something in our city because of what we did together. So I just want to encourage you. We're not here just to kind of be here. We're here because we're building something, and we're going to do that together. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. So this is our final uh, sermon in a series called Take Heart. We've been looking at John 16, Jesus gathers his disciples together in the upper room. He has the upper room discourse. These are the final words of the final words. Just before Jesus is crucified, before the resurrection and all of that, he comes to his disciples and he says to them in John 14, 15, and 16, he talks a lot about love. He talks about joy. He talks about the end, things that are going to happen and, and an abiding in him and dwelling in him and, and getting your life from him. And then in John 16, 33, the final words of his final words to his disciples in that upper room. He says to them, I have told you these things, meaning the last three chapters, I've told you all of these things so that in me, and you need to circle that, in me, you will have peace. Why? Because, anyone? 
Because in this world, what? You're going to have some trouble. You're going to have challenges. We're going to have things that are going on. Is that, do we all agree on that? Do you have challenges in this life? We all have challenges, and we kind of established that the first week. It's like, hey, we all go through a lot of things. And so Jesus told us it was going to be that way. So he said, in me, find peace, because in this world you're going to have trouble. But take heart, right? Take heart, take courage, be of good cheer, be, have joy, have love about you. Why? Because I have overcome the world. There's hope. In this world, in spite of all the stuff that's going on around us, even the bombings in Hamas, the Israel, all that that's going on, the things that we've lived through, the things that are going on in the world, there's still hope because Jesus has overcome the world, and one day he's coming back, and he's going to set it all in order the way it should be. It's going to be shalom, the way things should be, everything in order. So that's what we're talking about here in, in John chapter 16. So this morning we want to talk about faith, Okay. So Jesus says, hey, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but how do you live in this world with faith, trusting that there is something better, trusting in God, complete trust in him? So that's where we're at this morning is how do we then live if we're still in this world and Jesus is coming back in the future? How do we live now with, with faith? So look with me. Let's read the scripture together. And uh, Matthew 25 and Hebrews 11.6 are the two that I'm going to read, all right? So let's look together, because this, this is a parable that Jesus has told, and it is a, um, a real-life parable. So a parable, just so you know, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, okay? It's an earthly story that if you're in business, if you do business and you own your own business, you're going to understand this parable this morning. It is an earthly story that says, oh, I get that. Now, how does that relate to eternal things? How does that relate to the kingdom? And that's exactly how Jesus uses his teaching. He says, the kingdom of God is like, and he gives us a metaphor, a simile, and he gives us this story. So that's what he's doing here in Matthew 24, uh, excuse me, 25. In Matthew 24, he backs up, he's talking about end times. He's talking about what is to come, the things that are going to come in the end times. And then in Matthew 25, he says, now this is what the kingdom of God is like. So let's read that together. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. Do you get the story? Do you get who the master is in this story? Then he went away, and then there's this pause in between, all right? That's where we're living. You see those dashes on the sheet? That's where we're living right now. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five more talents. So also the one who had two talents made two more talents. But he who received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, now after a long time, after a long time, he came back, right? The master of those servants came and settled, came to settle accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who had the, the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. 
He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, notice this, Master, I knew that you were a hard man. You were reaping where you did not sow and gathered where you had not scattered seed. Who, who gathers and, and, and reaps where they haven't sown, right? He's accusing his master. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, what you have is yours. We're going to get to Jesus' response to that at the very end. But that's, that's the parable, all right? Then look with me in Hebrews 11.6. In Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is walking through these Old Testament people, and he's saying this was a man, this was a woman of faith. These are people of faith. It is called the Hall of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter, five, uh, chapter 11, verse 5, he says, hey, Enoch was a man who walked with God. He was a man who walked with God daily and trusted in God, and he pleased God. So Hebrews 11.6 is kind of a famous verse that maybe some of you have memorized or you've known in the past, but it's kind of a, a stalwart uh, verse in my life. He, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So he's talking about Enoch. Enoch pleased God, and then he transitions. He says, without faith, you can't please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is or that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So those are our two, two scriptures for today. And so we usually take the time just to pray, just to stop and kind of focus our heart and our minds uh, towards the scripture. So let's do that right now. I usually tell people, hey, you're here. You might as well be here, right? You're already, you already got up, you got dressed, you got all that thing. So if you're here, we might as well be here. So let's be here, all right? Let's pray together. Father, we just uh, pause for a moment because sometimes we can be here and our mind is a thousand miles away and, and we're, we're really not zoning in. But God, I, I want us to be here. I want to be here. And I want us to together to hear from your word through your spirit so that we can encourage one another and we can stay on the mission that you have for us. So would you just pray right now to say, God, would you... Would you speak to me through your word this morning? We love you and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I was going to use Gunner, but I'm going to use Aram this morning. So uh, what if Aram, the guy that runs our soundboard back there, what if he came in the back, as he's doing right now, and he came in the back and he said, Fire! 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 When would you say that we believed what he was saying? If we all sat right here in our seats and said, man, Aram, he's such a kidder. He's such a that guy. He's always playing tricks. He, yeah, hey, thanks, Aram. Thanks for letting us know. Would you say we believed what he said? Right? Or when we, we say we believed what he said would be, hey, when we all get up in a very orderly fashion and take the exit to the left, and we go outside into the parking lot, right? Would that be when you'd say, hey, that's when, when Aaron said fire, we believed what he said when we acted upon what he said, right? That's when belief is when real belief. And none of us, if we got out in the parking lot, would say, you know what? I'm so glad that I, I, I was saved from that fire. It's because I'm such a good person. Because I've done so many good things in this life, and I read my Bible every day, and, and I do a lot of really good things, and that's why I was saved from that fire, right? It wouldn't be because of what we did before this. It was because we believed what Aram said 
that we got out and were saved. Is that correct? So what we're talking about this morning is the, the relation between faith and action, between belief and what we do, faith and works. And you're going to see this in Paul. Paul says you are saved by faith alone. Well, we'll go into this more later. We believe that when we exit the building. And when we get out there, we trust, we say, hey, it was only because of what I believed. In fact, in the Old Testament, it says of Abraham, it says, Abraham believed God, what? That he would be a man of many nations, that he would bless and, and would be blessed, and he would be a man who would give birth. And he, he says, hey, I'm old. How can I believe that? And it says he was credited to him as righteousness because he believed what God had said to him. So it's by our belief, it's our faith, but that faith has to be followed with actions in order for it to be real faith. So that's what we're talking about here in Hebrews 11 and Matthew verse, you know, a whole, the whole chapter of 25 really is about faith. So I want to talk about three things. I usually have four, so you get cut back one today, right? Faith is essential, okay? Faith is essential, and then faith is demonstrated, and then ultimately faith is rewarded. So Again, look with me in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And it's impossible to please Him because anyone who comes to Him has to believe that He exists, that He is who He says He is, that He is God, and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So I want to define faith here for a moment, okay? Both kind of secular, uh, biblical, and then and look at some verses there. So faith is trust and obedience. If you're in launching multipliers with us, some of the guys that are in that with us, trust and obedience regardless of feelings, circumstances, or cultural pressure. That's what faith is. It's trusting in God and, and then obeying his word regardless of your feelings, your circumstances, or your cultural pressure. You're just putting into play what God has spoken into you. Okay, and then faith according to Hebrews 11.1, 1, if you want to look there on your sheet, it says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then when I look in, in Webster's Dictionary, it just basically said that faith is complete trust in someone or something, right? So that is faith. Faith is complete trust in something or someone. And so the Bible says, Jesus says, or, or the writer of Hebrews says, Faith is essential to your faith. You can't, you can't please God apart from trusting in Him, apart from complete trust in who He is. And so that is faith in our life. So faith is essential. I've got five things under this. So we thought we were getting off early, but we got five under the first one. I'm going to spend most of my time on number one, and we're going to get to two and three as well. But faith that, that uh, God exists. You have to believe First of all, that God exists. You're saying, hey, this is pretty elementary. I wouldn't be here if I don't believe that God exists. However, we may have someone here and say, hey, you know, I'm still not convinced that even God exists yet. Okay? So you have to look around you. And Romans 1 says, hey, you look around you and you look at creation and you look at all the complexity of creation and you go, man, there's got to be something bigger than ourselves. When you look at your eyeball and the complexity of your eyeball and how intricate all of that is and you go, man, did all of this fall into place over billions and billions of years? Now, listen, I agree. Listen, having faith in God is there, there's some faith here, right? You all, we all get to a place where we go, where did God come from? Have you ever asked yourself that? You have. And the, the reason, when you're in your bed at night, you've gone, well, where did God come from? If, 
if God was in the beginning, where did he come from? And then you're just, your mind kind of loops around, right? Like, where did all of this come from? And it's kind of surreal to ask those questions. But we don't know where God comes from. He was in the beginning. He was, right? But you still have to cross that same uh, barrier if you believe in evolution, right? If you believe in the Big Bang, if you believe in all of this just happened one day, you've got to sit in your bed at night and go, but where did the first energy come from? Where did that first atom come from? Where did that come from? Well, we don't know where that came from. It just was in the beginning, right? So you've got to, wherever you land in this world, there's a step of faith that you've got to believe. And I would just encourage you to continue down that journey to saying, hey, does God really exist? And ask that question because he is there. And if you earnestly seek him, you will be rewarded. All right? So faith that God exists, number one, you say, hey, yeah, I believe that God exists. The second step is to believe that God is personal to you. Now, it's one thing to go, hey, yeah, I believe God exists out there somewhere. Deists believe that, you know, he just kind of spun the whole world into existence. And it happened, and he kind of let it go, and it's kind of like a clock. It just kind of spins around, it does its thing, and he doesn't intervene with that. That's not biblical, guys. The, the Word of God just says that he is intimately involved with all of your ways. In fact, Psalm 139 says, before a word is even on your tongue, he knows it completely. He knows every hair on your head. He, before a thought is in your mind that he knows you, he knows you're going out and you're lying down. He's familiar with all of your ways, right? That he cares for you. Those who earnestly seek him will find him. Look with me in the scripture there. I think it's on the screen. Jeremiah 29 it says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I know every one of you, and I've been there, right? God, I know you're there, but I don't know that you're there. I know that you're there, but I don't know that you're here. I know, I know you're out there somewhere, but I don't know that you really understand what I'm going through or what I'm feeling or what's going on in my life. The Bible says he does know those things. And that when we earnestly seek him, he will be found by us. He will reveal himself to us. The thing is, we don't seek him for years and years and years. And all of a sudden, then we go, hey, God, are you there? Right? God, you're not here. We haven't been seeking him and we don't know him. He doesn't know. We don't know him. He knows us. Right? And so when we seek him, we'll find him when we seek him with all of our hearts. So, Faith that God exists. Second, faith that God is personal. Third, faith that God is good. Not only is he personal, but do you believe that God is good? I mean, I'm talking about abundantly generous with you. In this parable that, that Jesus tells, it says the master's going away, right? And he calls his uh, servants to him. And you think about this if you're an employer, any of you own a business, right? Or if you're an employer, you're over someone, you call you, your three employees, or some of your employees, but these three in this particular parable, and you say to them, hey, I'm going to give you five talents of money. Now, let me translate for you. A talent was about 6,000 6, denarii, which was about the wages of an average worker for about 20 years. So as I was looking at how much is a talent, it's about in a modern equivalent would be between a million and a million and a half dollars per talent. 
So you call your servant to you and you say, hey, I'm going to give you to the first one five million to eight million dollars and I want you just to go out there and trade and invest and I, you, you have this while I'm gone. I want you to use it. And then you come to your second one, I'm going to give you between two and two and a half, three million dollars and I want you to invest it. And then you come to the third and you go, I'm going to give you a million to a million and a half dollars and I want you to invest it. And it says, notice, all according to their ability. So we're not, I'm not responsible for Carl's talent. He's not responsible for mine. I'm not responsible for yours, and you're not responsible for mine. I'm only responsible for what God gave me, the resources, the talents, the gifts, whatever God has given me, then I'm responsible to that. But he calls them together and abundantly blesses them and says, hey, I want you to go do something with this. Make something happen with this. No doubt he had trained them. No doubt he'd had time with them. He's not going to just give them money to people he doesn't know, but he had spent time with these guys and with these maybe ladies, right? Ladies investing this money. And so he is investing in them and giving them all of this money. He's generous with them. And you say, well, God's never given me $8 million. Some of you may, you may have Stuart, but everything you have, he's given you, right? And also, by the way, he not only gave you money, but he, he died for you, right? He gave you everything he has. That's the, what we believe that the gospel is, that Jesus gave you everything. He gave you his very life. But let's just talk about what you have right now, that God is good. God is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. So I want to ask you, why don't we pray more? Why don't we pray more? You know why we don't pray more? Because we really don't believe God is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. If I truly believe that God is good and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him, then man, I'm seeking him on a regular basis. If I know my master is going to give me five to eight million dollars to invest and to live off of and to, to make things happen with, man, I'm seeking him on a regular basis. The reason as believers we don't seek God is in the depths of our heart we're not truly convinced that he's good. And you know, Satan's been about that from the very beginning. From the very beginning, he says to Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Hey, I know God gave you all of this, right? Hey, everything you see here, he said you could eat of every tree in the garden except for that one. He's just not good. He, you know, I know he said everything, but that he's holding out on you because he knows if you eat of that tree, when you eat of that tree, you're going to become like him. Satan is always sowing those seeds of, of just deceit lying to you about who God is and saying God's really not good because if he was good, he would do X, Y, or Z. And so you can't trust him. And so we begin to believe that lie so we don't seek God and we don't follow after him and look after him. And so we begin to experience life as Satan desires us to experience it. But when we seek him, we find him when we seek him with all of our heart. So the next thing is, not only is, is God good, faith that God is good, but fourth, that the faith that God owns it all, right? Do you really believe that, that God owns everything you have? Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein, Psalm 24. So basically what God's saying is, I own everything. I own it all. I own everything you have, every piece of money, every dime you have, every home you have, every car you drive, every, uh, every ounce of energy you have, every, every second of the day, I own all of that. Everything that's in this world, God owns. And, and basically, that's what the master is saying. Hey, I'm giving you all of this money, 
I'm giving you five to eight million dollars. I'm giving you two to three million dollars. I'm giving you a million. But remember, it's, it's, it's my money. So faith in God says, hey, I'm a steward of what God already owns. And you're thinking, man, that's a harsh word. I'm telling you, there is so much freedom when you go, hey, I'm a steward and I'm not an owner. When you can do this with everything you have, I'm telling you it is so freeing. Just say, God, this is yours. It's all yours. So I want to use it appropriately. I want to be able to use it for your kingdom. But when you open up your hands and say, God, you own it all and everything I have, you're going to find that God is good. And you go, God, you own my hunting trips. You own every gun I have. You, you own the, the decorating that I really enjoy. You own the event planning, that, the, the company that I have. You own all of these things. You own my love for cooking. You own my kitchen. You own all of it. And guess what God does? He takes it and he uses it. And you begin to offer it up to him. And he says, oh, man, I'm so glad you love golf. How about using golf for eternal purposes? I'm so glad you love cooking. How about using cooking for eternal purposes? I'm so glad you love hunting. How about using hunting for eternal purposes? In fact, Josh Mayo's, his, his whole testimony, right? You heard, many of you heard Josh Mayo, one of our elders, and said, he said, I came to know Christ because a guy that was in Stumo who loved hunting, just like I loved hunting, he loved hunting, and he said, hey, Josh, why don't we go duck hunting? And he says, while we're sitting in the duck blind, waiting and waiting and waiting, right? Some of you have been duck hunting. You're, you're waiting. It's, it's dark out here. You can't see anything. You're just waiting for the ducks to come in. While we're waiting, guess what he's doing? He's talking to me about eternal things. Because that guy had said, hey, I love hunting, but I don't own hunting. It's your time, God. It's all yours, right? And he opened his hands to God, and God used it. And I'm telling you, he uses what you just enjoy it right now. But when you begin to take it for, eter for eternal purposes, it takes it to a whole new level. And you can actually enjoy the things you have and the things you love to do because God's now using it. So some of you may not know this, but I'm a Jeopardy nerd. I'm kind of a Jeopardy nerd. And, and I know it's really weird, but I'm a Jeopardy nerd, and, I, and I'm not even very good at it. My, my daughter, she said she was going to be here. She was going to hold me accountable. She'd tell them, Dad, I've been beating you in Jeopardy since, you were, since I was eight years old, right? So she's been beating me in Jeopardy since she was eight. So I'm a Jeopardy nerd, but I'm not very good at it. But there's a guy, I've been watching the, the Tournament of Champions. Yeah, I'm that kind of nerd. So I've been watching the Tournament of Champions, and there's a guy named John, uh, James Halshouse. I think is how you pronounce his name. And he's a stud. He's, he's a nerd and he's a cocky nerd. Okay. He just knows that he's going to win this thing. And so he's in this tournament of champions. And every time he hits the daily double, if you don't know about this, you'll have to go kind of research Jeopardy. He hits the daily double and you can put everything in. When you hit the daily double, he just does like this. He doesn't even say anything. He just does this. How much do you want to invest? And that's all he does. Why? Because he's confident in his own ability. He's a confident in what he knows. And so he puts it all in to the middle. So I'm asking you, are you that confident in who God is? Are you that confident in him? Just to go, God, mm, I'm betting it all on you. 
I'm betting it all on you. And so everything I have, I'm putting it in the middle. In, in a poker game, I'm putting it all in the middle. I'm trusting you with everything. And what God is saying is that pleases him. That honors him. That's what he loves to see, and he's going to bless you when you do those things. When you put it all in the middle and you say, God, use it, you're going to find that he uses everything you love for his good. The last thing on this one is faith that Jesus will return. Guys, do you believe that Jesus will return? I told you we're living right there in those dashes, right? Those dashes is where you and I are investing our lives. And so Jesus says, hey, the master's going away. He's going away. That's Jesus going away after the resurrection. He is with God. He spent his Holy Spirit. We live, he lives in us, but he physically has gone away. But at some point, Jesus is coming back, and it says he's going to settle accounts with us. We're going to come before him. And I intentionally didn't put the third response in there because many of you here this morning, you're going to hear, hear from him, well done, my good and faithful servant. We'll talk about rewards in a minute. But faith that God is going to return. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. After a long time. Guys, listen, I know it feels like a long time. It has been a long time since Jesus ascended. He says, I'm coming back. And in Matthew 24, if you're interested, he gives you a lot of things, the things that are going to have to happen before he returns. And those things are lining up. I'm not here to scare anybody. I'm just saying those things are lining up in our world. And so he is coming back. And so we live in those dashes saying, God, I know you're coming back. And when you come back, I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. So the next thing is faith that is demonstrated. And we've kind of talked about this already, but in James chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So basically what he's saying here is that I I have to put my faith in action. That's demonstrated faith. That is, I'm putting my, my faith in action. That's when it becomes real belief. In the same way that if Aram says fire and we sit here, we don't really believe him. But when we get up out of our seats and go outside, then we are trusting God. Then we are saying to him, we believe you. We trust you. Now, in the, the case of these, these three servants, the first two, did they believe? Did they trust do they put it all in? Do they say, hey, I believe in the master? What about the third one? Did the third uh, uh, servant really believe in and believe that his master was good, believe that his master was going to return, believe that when he came back that he was going to be a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him? Did he believe those things? No. He didn't because he went out and just dug a hole. And again, we'll look at the response here in a minute. So the last thing is, well, I want, I want to speak of this real quick. You know, some people say, hey, we're, we're saved by, by grace, right? Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you are saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So Paul is saying, hey, you're saved by grace. How? Through your faith, by putting your faith into that. And then James, on the other hand, when you read James, you're like, James sounds like he's contradicting Paul. What's going on here? I was always taught to believe I was saved only by by, my, by grace through faith. And then James is saying, hey, but 
your faith, if it doesn't have anything behind it, is it truly faith? That's what James is saying. It's two sides of the same coin, right? So I just want y'all to know, I've got, I've got a $100 bill up here for anybody that needs it. Just wanted you to know that, all right? I've got a $100 bill for anybody that needs it. Faith is rewarded. Let's go on to the next one. And he had received five talents, came bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So he enters into the joy of his master. We've got to believe, number one, that God is good and everything that he does is good and that he is going to be a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. So then the, the, the last one, I want to read to you the last response here to the third servant. So trusting that God rewards those who earnestly seek him. But in verse 26, he says, but his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what I, my own and, my, and what I had owned and, and interest on that. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to him, everyone who has will be given more, and he who has abundance will be given more. But from the one who has not... Even what he has will be taken and cast that worthless servant into the outer darkness, into the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this is the hard part, the hard side of the reward. God rewards our faith. He rewards what we do. Putting it into play for him, he comes back and he says, well done. Number one, you're going to hear from God, well done, my good and faithful servant. That ought to be all of our desire to hear those words of coming. How many of you are words of affirmation people, Right? Words of affirmation. When, you, when Jesus comes back, if you put your faith in Christ, he is going to say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. And then what does he say? He's going to take what you've invested. He's going to bring that in and he's saying, come in and enjoy your master's happiness. Come in and enjoy your master. Enjoy what he's given to you. And he opens that up to all of us, right? That's what you're going to hear from God when it's all said and done. But the last servant comes before him and he begins to accuse God. He begins to accuse the master. Hey, you, you are a hard man. And you scatter seed and you, and you reap from places that you have not scattered. How many of you know what gaslighting is? Gaslighting is blaming someone else for your own sin. It's, it's putting someone else and saying to that person, hey, it's because of what you did. That's why I did what I did because of what you did. And that's what this master is coming before God and basically saying to God, it's because you're not good. It's because you're a hard man, because you don't do. And that's why I did what I did. And what does God say to him, right? What does the master say to him? You wicked and lazy. He doesn't have anything to do with it. In fact, gaslighting, I want to read to you a few things that I read about gaslighting. This is how you should deal with someone who is uh, gaslighting you. Hey, we just remember things differently. Evidently, we, we're not on the same page here. I hear you, and that isn't my experience, right? That's a very nice way to respond. I hear what you're saying, but that's not my experience. That's not how I remember things. Number three, I am not interested in debating what happened with you. Here's God's way of dealing with it. You wicked and lazy servant. 
right? God just says, no, we're not doing that deal, right? Hey, what I'm going to do is I'm going to speak truth about what's going on here. Don't try to blame me for what you did. God settles accounts with us. And he doesn't, he, he just cuts through all of it. Guys, listen, I want every, my job as your pastor is that every one of us, when we get to the end of this whole deal, that when God comes back, when Jesus comes back, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come into your master's happiness. And I want him to say of Clear Fork Community Church, well done. In fact, in Revelation, Revelation, Jesus is evaluating the churches and he gives them commendation. He gives them some things. Hey, you're doing this really well. Here's some things you're not doing so well. And I want God, if Jesus were to come back, I want him to look at our church and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You know what faith is? Faith is the guys that show up here at 7.30 and they set up every one of these chairs. I told them this morning, hey guys, listen, this is faith. You're putting your faith into play when you're coming here and you're setting up chairs because you're trusting that God is going to do something with that. Faith is putting into play what God has given you and trusting Him with God, what God will do. It's saying to Him, hey, I don't know if I could be a small group leader, but I'm willing to trust you. I don't know if I should invite that guy to church because he, I'm not sure if he believes or not. I'm, it's putting your faith into action and, and extending the invitation. It's leading a small group and inviting your neighbors and going, hey, would you come over for dinner? All of that is faith, right? All of that's faith. So guys, listen, I want us to hear the commendation from God. Well done, my good and faithful servants. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you, and right now as a church, uh, we have little. But you said to your servants, well done, and you were faithful in a little. Now I'm going to put you in charge of much. So God, I just pray for our church, thanking you for this body of believers. God, we want to put into play the things that you've given us. We want to put into play the, the small that you've given, the little that maybe you've given us so far. Would you say that to him right now? Would you just pray that and say, God, I want to put into play whatever you've given me. Would you... Would just be like James where you just push everything into the middle right now. I know it's scary to say, God, you own it all. But would you just agree with him that he does own it all? Maybe here and you've never trusted God and you say, hey, God, I'm not even sure that you exist. I'm here just because I was invited or I'm here just because I need, but I'm not even sure that you exist. Would you just admit that to him? Maybe you're here and you say, God, I, I, I believe that you exist, but I'm not sure you're really good. I'm, I don't trust you completely. Would you just drive down a stake this morning and say, hey, I'm going to believe in spite of my circumstances and my, my feelings and the cultural pressure. I'm going to believe 
that God is good. I'm going to stake my life on that and trust him. God, we trust you and we love you. God, as we move into this final song, that, uh, that God, we would make new commitments. So I'm just asking you before you leave, don't, don't just leave out of here just hearing a message without responding, but laying down new, new understanding of who God is and laying down new commitments to him to seek him and to find him when you seek him with all your heart. So let's stand together and let's sing this final song. It's trusting God. Sing this, as we, as we said before, singing this as theology, singing this by faith and trusting him as we sing this final song. Thanks so much for listening to the Clearfork Community Church Podcast. For more information about our church, head to clearforkchurch.org. Take heart, Fort Worth. He has overcome the world. We hope to see you soon.